Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Friday. This is Craig Ruffalo filling in for Mike Coughlin. And today is August 5th, 2022. And welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. And I'm joined here today by a fellow analyst uh, with our group, Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist here at Bikini Favelle. And uh, Eric, happy Friday to you. Yeah, happy Friday, Craig. Hello, podcasters. Yeah, so, you know, you and I uh, just got back from Vail, Colorado. Man, I'll tell you, the land of sky blue waters up there in uh, Colorado, uh, Vail, wow, what a time we had at the... 37th annual ASA Symposium. For all those that don't know, the ASA stands for the American Sugar Alliance. What did you think of your inaugural ASA? Yeah, it was a great conference, uh, Craig. I mean, a lot of good introductions to folks I haven't met before in the industry and really getting down to within the cooperatives and the farmers themselves. So for my first ASA, it was a a very valuable one and uh, a lot of good folks there. And uh, good to hear what's going on in the industry because there's certainly a lot going on. Yeah, you know what? We, we got a chance to play golf up there, and I know mm-hmm. you're quite the avid golfer, and I try to pretend. Uh, so <laughs> uh, we had a great time, and one of the things that uh, you and I both noticed was the length of the golf ball when you hit it off the uh, altitude of 8,100 feet versus sea level. Boy, I'll tell you what, that was an interesting dynamic. What? What? You know, I mean, you obviously know how to get around the golf course what were your uh, outtakes there from watching the ball just like go like a balloon almost you just never stopped on some some shots that's for sure I mean boy I hadn't played at that altitude before and had always heard the ball flies farther and it had to have been going at least 15 yards farther on average but uh really really a cool opportunity to play up there and something uh unique and like you said as an avid golfer it was certainly a, a memorable one so we, we did and enjoyed uh, that very much playing golf with you and some yeah. of the others in the industry too, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, it was fun to, to be able to, to watch how uh, the golfing crew uh, out there turned into then, of course, moving forward for the day and, and getting to the receptions and then into the actual event itself. And, I, you know, I've been to the ASA a few times in my past and uh, I had been to Vail once before. Uh, but it had been many years before. And, and one of the things that uh, does uh, feel true was seeing a lot of familiar faces for me. Uh, it was yep. great to reconnect for the first time in uh, three years uh, to have a face-to-face symposium with a lot of the growers. And, you know, I'd love to, for us to just give the audience a little bit of a review on some of the highlights that we had uh, during our time there in Vail together and Perfect. with the industry. So I'm going to let you kind of lead off with some of your thoughts and observations on what the major takeaways were. Yeah, and definitely, um, as Craig mentioned, he had reintroduced uh, and gotten back together with folks in person. He's a very popular guy uh, at the ASA, and he knows <laughs> a lot of growers. And um, I think that just, uh, I'll just say, speaks to your reputation, Craig, in the industry and Nah, um, thank how, you. How highly people think of you, uh, and certainly, you know, growers and all the way down to the, you know, that level was really cool to kind of see everybody uh, attract to you as they saw you, you know, moving throughout the conference. So, 
I appreciate definitely big kudos there. And again, it was my first and I was uh, certainly a couple of key takeaways and uh, maybe I'll kick it off with the first one or two observations is that definitely sustainability and transparency uh, is becoming the norm, Craig, for sure. I agree. A lot of terms and buzzwords heard throughout the conference. Yeah, sustainability mentioned multiple times, eco-labeling, right? which is something I'll say I haven't heard of all that much, but I've heard that at least a handful of times. And one of the assets here for that term, I guess, is really providing a uh, total economic score for products and actually having that on a label. And it sounds like that's actually coming to Europe first here. That's what I heard. It it would be a uh, scale of one to five per se, where... Uh, a one would be a very low uh, economic score, or we'll just say maybe more not so carbon friendly, whereas uh, you know a product or a company that had a very favorable or high economic score of five, it would basically show that right on the label. And if you know you're the higher level four or five, you'd be more in the green. But if you're a one or a two, you'd be more you know red and yellow, and um, it would stand out to a consumer. So the transparency uh, is something that. You know, it's certainly around us today with sustainability programs, et cetera. But ultimately, um, I think we're going to see even bigger onus on this for companies to basically hop on board or be left behind. And, you know, the consumer is certainly uh, someone that uh, is demanding of more transparency out there. So I, that was one of my observations. And I don't know if you want to add to that point, Craig. There was another term that they use, climate smart, uh, which was... Yeah. Seemingly, the uh, beet sugar industry took forth uh, a lot of their commentary surrounding this climate smart and how they are trying to become uh, carbon zero or carbon neutral. Or even they had a gentleman up there saying that there are private and public entities that might be willing to pay uh, for uh, groups that are uh, going towards a more sustainable uh, farming practice. And so it seems like there's a big bent towards agricultural communities to take advantage of what they're doing to try to show that they're either doing something with water uh, retention uh, or carbon neutral Mm -hmm. or retention of uh, greenhouse gases uh, and get paid for it. So that was an interesting statement Mm -hmm. for sure when we heard that out there. Uh, The other one that I think we saw uh, quite a bit of conversation as a start, and I would say it's just the beginnings, is the start of the uh, discussion surrounding the farm bill. Yep. And I definitely saw a lot of staffers from uh, some local congressmen, some of the federal legislators that were highly suggesting that um, right now, the agricultural component of the Farm Act is about 0.2% of the total. And they're looking at potentially a $1 trillion, yep. yes, that's with a T, trillion dollar uh, budget for the Farm Act, uh, which 84% would go to SNAP or food programs. Yep. So what you can see right away is that the farming community is feeling somewhat left behind and a little bit threatened uh, because they don't feel a $1 trillion uh, budget would ever get passed by OMB. So right. that was the second major observation I had. What other things did you see in your inaugural ASA that you kind of went, whoa, okay, that's yeah. an interesting observation? Yeah, I got one other thing I'll comment on, but even just concluding out the Farm Bill conversation, Craig, is the uh, there's going to be a lot of new blood in the Senate and the House who have never voted on a Farm Bill before. And that's true. The numbers that's right. are uh, 
25% of the Senate and 50% of the House have never voted on a farm bill. So wow. could be interesting to see you know, how this all shakes out. But uh, really, Sugar, though, does have some good backing. And you know, I think that'll be, just be something of note or interest um, since a lot of people have never participated in voting on a new farm bill. In, in the house and the senate yeah that's that's a great that's a great era. pickup i remember that too that's crazy yep uh let's see i guess we can maybe talk about the crop since obviously yeah, we're talking sure. to a lot of growers and farmers and my overall uh takeaway was in general the beet crop is i'll say quote unquote okay or yeah. average to maybe a slightly below average sentiment of you know, there was some concerns, obviously, earlier in the year, especially in the Red River Valley with things getting in the ground later. But by all means and accounts, um, things have really improved and recently got some good rains because things were starting to dry out just a bit um, in some some areas up there. And, you know, farmers are not really giving off too much concern. The only um, caution or thing that they're going to be watching is any potential for an early frost yes, if that were to correct. occur in September. Um, and obviously you don't want to see any early winter come that would landlock <laughs> no. those beets in the ground, you know, in no November. Because uh, certainly they're going to be a couple weeks behind on their early harvest and, and main harvest campaigns just with the late crops. So I kind of asked a couple farmers what the earliest they've seen in terms of a frost come to them. Um, couple different guys said they've in the red river valley we're speaking specific, specifically they said that uh has seen it as early um as the first week of september but Oof. that is uh certainly not um you know an average year it's just uh something to monitor that we don't want to be seeing cool temps or any frost uh at that time because the bee crop will certainly still be maturing up there i agree throughout really uh early september so what about, uh, you know, I kind of commented Red River Valley, but I think that was the general statement from most of the growers. But uh, anything else you picked up from, you know, beet production? Yeah, you hit it right on the head as far as I'm concerned. It seemed like there was growers with uh, sediments that they felt like their crop was looking pretty darn good. But yet the general comment was about two weeks behind normal. Yep. Uh, and then the other places, people were a little more uh, reserved with their uh, optimism, but not not panicked. There was no, uh, Oh my gosh, um, this doesn't look very good. Uh, and so I, overall, I would say that the, uh, the average to slightly below is the right assessment. And if you want to use a baseline of 5 million uh, tons yep. uh, as your average crop size now for beet sugar, yeah, I would say we're probably slightly below that is what we're looking at right now. And they're going to start getting in the fields this week and start taking tests so that they take some uh, beets, they'll pull them out of the ground. They'll start testing the tons um, to get some averages going. And then uh, I guess the next week or two, they'll start the sugars, uh, testing for sugars. So that's the beet crop. Uh, the cane crop I heard was pretty good in Louisiana. Uh, yep. Again, a cautious optimism. Uh, Florida as well. The area that they did sh uh, show some concerns, however, was in the Rio Grande Valley, uh, the small amount mm -hmm. of cane sugar that's uh, produced in Texas. Uh, so there is some threat. Uh, to that crop uh, and potentially having some lower yields um, in that area. Uh, so that would be a little bit of a concern for for the folks in Louisiana's refineries that use that uh, raw sugar coming out of Texas. Yep. I didn't hear uh, anything really concerning on cane. Obviously, just 
you know, fingers crossed, no hurricanes that come through over the next few months. Yes. Uh, we don't need that <laughs> to come into play. No. And, and it's been a pretty quiet uh, hurricane season thus far, I'll just say. And even seeing things this week of... Oh, um, uh-oh. Knock on wood somewhere. I was knock on say, wood knock somewhere. On wood. We're just now getting into peak <laughs> season for hurricanes. But uh, thus far, it's been relatively quiet. So hopefully we can continue. Yeah that trend um, and don't see anything come through Louisiana or Florida, obviously, but, uh, yeah. but certainly seeing that, um, you know, things are still very tight from a commercial standpoint and nobody is really on the market at this point for offering any right. spot business. So unfortunately for the buying community out there um, and those that are still looking for maybe any spot sugar, it seems few and far between at this point. Yeah, I would. I agree 100. percent I don't see where you've got a whole lot of relief coming between now and say the the middle of October when the beat guys hopefully will be on full production and and have uh, some sugar that's now ready to be shipped out. It's not going to be a fun next 30 to 45 mm-hmm. days for anybody that's looking for spot product. And I would even say that we're going to, you know, keep our fingers crossed that we don't have any of these delays. Uh, in the harvest uh, from the beet side and, and no weather events that would uh, impact the cane guys. We just don't need any more volatility going on in the sugar business. Definitely not. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, again, ultimately the, uh, the things that I uh, loved about the ASA was getting to see a lot of friendly faces, um, seeing the folks from Washington, DC, getting a chance to, to reconnect with some of the folks that uh, I hadn't seen for a few years and allow you the opportunity, Eric, to, to visit with some of the growers. I think it's a great uh, uh, venue for the ability to kind of get grassroots uh, a visibility to our industry and allow you to do, expand your folks and your network. And for those that ever have gone, it's a great event uh, held about this time every year. Uh, next year, it'll be in Napa. So anybody that's listening, we might want to see you guys out of our neck of the yeah. woods. Uh, we'd love to have you out I'll here. I'll say a quick so, visit down to uh, Lafayette for, you know, a 101 or just to say hi to us. We'd love to see some of the buying community absolutely. or some of our clients make their way out next year. That's right. Well, with that, uh, we're going to wrap this up. And I want to wish everybody a happy weekend. Eric, I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, Craig. Uh, I know that you've got uh, some things going on. So uh, for those out there, don't forget to check out our IQ platform. And if you missed any of the uh, previous podcasts, certainly click on the link there within our IQ portal. And also don't forget the upcoming webinars that we'll be having. Uh, check for anything that's going to be of interest to you. And with that, uh, we'll wrap it up with Mike saying that we got to live our life with an attitude of gratitude and take advantage of every opportunity you can spend with friends and family. And I wish everybody a happy weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.